Mike, turn your games down. Alright, we went and saw 247 of games my mom found. I am Mike Hubbardton, and who's chasing after a little girl with me tonight? Hello, I'm Ronald Frazier. And I am Jake Bull. And welcome back, and you guys joined me a year ago to talk about fear, and now we're here to talk about Fear 2 Project Origin. Uh, developed by Monolith Productions, published by Warner Brothers, came out in 2009. That feels like a long time ago. And I've never played this before. This had always been on my list to get around to, but I just never just never played the game. This is four years after Fear 1 came out. It's a long time, I feel like, for a sequel. Yeah. In that day. In that era. Wow. Yeah, uh, there were like... Gears of War was happening at this time, right? And that was... Those were like every other year or something, weren't they? That's what I felt like, at least. I but yeah, can't this remember. This was. Fear, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, first fear was like a launch title or close to it for the new generation, and then Fear Two is like in the peak of gaming on that console generation. Yeah, Fear was a big deal, and because Fear was originally a PC game, and then it also then so I think somebody else made the console version, if I remember uh, correctly. Somebody else did. I remember seeing the splash when I was playing on PS3, playing the PS3 version for last year. Yeah, it wasn't the same. And then this one, Monolith is the one that first made the first version of Fear and then also made Fear 2. So then they came back for this one, but they didn't make the console only one. Hmm. I, I know there were it's like from when I was I was watching some YouTube videos about this, like from what I was reading up, they didn't own they didn't when they first started making this game, they didn't know if they were going to have the rights to call it fear. That's mm. why it was called. It was originally just going to be called Project or- Origin. Oh. They didn't have the rights to the name fear. <laughs> so that's another. Re- and then it wasn't until a little bit later into production when they got the rights back. Huh? Because Vivendi owned the rights to Fear, and then Vivendi was like, I think, either going out of business or just wanted to sell it. And then Warner Brothers bought it, and then that's how this game became Fear 2. Oh, yeah, I forgot that Vivendi Universal published the first one. So I think that, I don't, it, it sounded like it was still pretty early, but that could be a reason why this game also feels very different, too. So, I mean, that I really think that could play a part in it. Yeah, that's something that really, like... <laughs> sticks out to me but also one of the things i think is this game's probably biggest improvement on the first is that the art direction feels much better and more cohesive because like in in the first one like you get your voice in your ear giving you exposition and it's just like this small little pop-up box with a person's profile picture in it and it just it was like tied visually with the UI of the HUD, but not with the rest of the game. But then in this one, they definitely are trying much harder to bring everything together. Well, and before we get too far, I do want to ask, did either of you guys play this before? Before this podcast? Uh, no, uh, for this podcast, was my first time playing it. Okay. Just like the first fear I bought at a used game store, <laughs> and uh, had it for years until I was encouraged to play it for the podcast. And yeah, <laughs> quite the experience. Yeah. Yeah. This was not my first time, like, playing it at all the first time was when i was back in like middle school or high school okay i rented it shortly after release and i played a few i think i played into like interval two or so okay you weren't Um, too far then yeah so i i like just remember that it was introducing the the enemies that you need to slow-mo for but not much more than that so this is my first time playing through it all the way and my first time actually 
being able to see. Because back when I was a kid, I was playing on a CRT oh. with, with a window behind me. <laughs> you couldn't see shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm assuming this game would have been more playable than like Dead Rising on a CRT, but I'm, I'm assuming this has still got to be a bitch to play on a CRT. Oh, it was. It was more playable than Dead Rising because I also had that experience. <laughs> hey, me too. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Oh, that, that was early, like, HD gaming where they were like, yeah, you, you need to get an HDTV, but it's like, yeah, expensive still. Now, whenever I go to Walmart and I look at HDTV, it's like, yeah, $100. I'm like, man, I remember I remember when these were like 1000 <laughs> It just was like that long ago. And now, like, you can get 8K TVs for just under 1000 I mean, and they just keep getting, like, I just bought a new TV last year. I think I paid 400 for a 50-inch. Or maybe three hundred, and I, and I'm like I look at it now, and I'm like I could get even a bigger TV for like that same price, and I'm just like, man, they just I just I love how that technology just dropped and dropped and dropped. <laughs> I have never played uh, Fear Two before. Fear I never even seen this one. I own it. I bought it <laughs> at a used game store, also a GameStop years ago. I was like I'm gonna play this one day, but then I just I just never got to it. But it's, and I, it's always been on my list to try it. Like so, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like I was just you know just never. Got around to it. I mean, I had seen it. I think I'd seen it played maybe once or twice, but not much of it. I mean, this game is way prettier than Fear 1. I got to say that. It doesn't... I feel like it wasn't as gory as Fear 1. Well, not when it came to shooting, I should say. I didn't feel like the, the guns were as gory. It kind of had its moments. Like, there were definitely a few times where, like, I would shotgun someone in the face and their entire body would turn into a oh. red cloud. <laughs> um, okay, there was that. <laughs> but maybe it's just because the art is more colorful and more like complex. It's not yeah. gray everywhere, so <laughs> yeah, the, it's not as ugly. Yeah, so the, the pops of red don't stand out as much. But it, does, it even then still seems like it was kind of toned down. You also couldn't stake people to wall as easily, so that mm-hmm. made me sad. Mm-hmm. That I think that was my. I think that's why I made that comment just now. And I'm thinking about it because when I would go to stake people, they would go to the wall. I'm like, oh, it's not the same. I want them just like fly to the wall, and it, like I love that. I, w- I want to see, like, the arm just shittering yeah. back and forth at the elbow. <laughs> <laughs> I love snaking. It wasn't the same staking somebody in this game. Like, when you get the gun, I'm just like, this doesn't feel as, like, sexy and powerful as it did in the first game. But everything else feels better. Yeah, no, I'd say. it actually has more like, of a co- cohesive story, even though you're not playing as the same character for some reason. You're not Point Man. You're some random new guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, gets... you're not playing Fear for the story, I feel. <laughs> I wasn't here for the story. I was just here because I'm like, I want to play Fear. Here's the next game. No, when, as I was playing, I was like trying to pay attention to the story because like I was so big into the first one. Like I played the playable DLC, <laughs> and I was just like, I was like 12, 13, very easily impressed. Wow, this is so cool and adult. So part of this project for me has been like. How dumb was I as a 13-year-old? <laughs> I mean, I think the game does have a cool story. I mean, it's corporate corporate being evil. Who would have think they'd be evil? I mean, there's stuff going on. I didn't read any of the files. I just grabbed them and moved on. But that was just how I play games like this now. I don't read files. I just move through a game. And then when I finish a game, I look up a YouTube video that explain things to me, which there actually wasn't a whole lot of, of story explanation for this on YouTube. I, I was a huge lore hound through this. You I played it right. I, well, I didn't uh, like. I didn't like scour every level, but every time, like, I did see like a lore pick up, like through a window or something. I, I did like take a minute to try and figure out where I could 
how I could get to it. There was definitely not. I never saw one and wasn't able to pick it up. So I got like two of the achievements for lore pickups. I don't know if there were any more because I wasn't that interested in checking. <laughs> I'm not sure either. I, I didn't look. So I got the achievement for, you know, finding 25%, 50%, and 75% of all the uh, collectibles. Oh. And I did read most of them. I don't necessarily remember any of them, but it was interesting. Little tidbits of world world building, you know, just a little paragraph here and there. and But, like, each document was specific to just that level. Like, mm-hmm. all the hospital stuff's all about the hospital. The elementary school had stuff relating to the children. So it was just, uh, that I thought was kind of cool. I I just would I would have rather had it read to me why I was in combat and doing things, but that's again this is a me problem. This isn't the game problem. Like it's it's fine that it has you read it. I mean I'm glad that you guys were getting more out of it than I was. I was also in a time crunch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a personal problem. That wasn't the game's fault that I was cr- trying to try and crunch this game in, and I was in a different city at the time too. So I was really like <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of time to sit here and play PC game. I need to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of it too so that's again not the game's fault that's not reason why i didn't read i just i don't know i was more like i i just really enjoyed the shooting and i just enjoyed running through the world a lot yeah that that part is still good as ever and yeah it feels I, good the guns feel good i didn't run out of ammo in this game like i think i did in, in our when we did fear one last year i feel like i ran out of ammo a couple times where i had to use cheats like i didn't have to cheat in this game i was able to constantly get ammo i mean i did have to switch up my guns which I don't mind a first-person shooter where, like, okay, you had this gun, use it a ton. Well, now the enemies have this gun. Okay, we just switch guns, I use their gun, and I'm fine. Like, that didn't bother me that the game made me do that. Yeah, I didn't, even then, like, I think I only ran two guns dry, and that was near the end of the game. I was just, like, relying on the auto shotgun a lot and just happened to run out. And then the missile launcher during one of the above-ground city sections. That's fair. They don't give you... Did you guys... They don't give you a lot of ammo for the rocket launcher. Did you guys play this on easy or normal or hard? I think I played on easy because okay. I did notice that on normal, they are not shy about enemy lethality. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. Uh, I I played on hard. Ooh. Wow. Uh, That's what the game recommended I play on, and I did it, and it was mostly... Ex- a smooth experience. I would say there are certain sections that made me regret playing on hard, but I kept <laughs> on the same difficulty the entire way through. There's nice. like the underground train segment. I really dislike that section on hard. I can believe ammo that. Wise, ammo <sighs> wise, I was pretty good. Mainly used like the assault rifle, shotgun combo, sniper rifles needed, and I think I also kept the rocket launcher in my back. If I ran out of ammo, it was early in the game when there weren't many weapons. Like the SMG pistol, so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, my experience was pretty good uh, within those regards. It's just a lot of the times I was out of armor or health pickups <laughs> and to use. Well, that's fair. I I I play it on easy because I play every game on easy if it gives me the option. Yeah, I, mean, I, I did die a couple times though. So. <laughs> so and I wasn't rushing. I was trying to play pretty careful. Like when I actually was playing and shooting, like I wasn't. I was trying trying to play a little bit more strategic i didn't use a time shift at first because i didn't felt i needed it and then like halfway through the game the game's like yeah you need this now when it introduced the clones when the clones came back that's when i i needed it because mm-hmm. they're a lot harder than the than the like with police guys or whatever the hell you're yeah. the sc- whatever you're fighting yeah. at first yeah the black ops folks yeah yeah that's that i think is pr- there's a part of me that wants to say that that whole sequence is probably some of the best 
parts in the game, just because, like, by the second time you encounter the uh, failed test subjects, fighting them is getting kind of rote, but it was... I liked the novelty when you encounter them of, have, of like, needing to use the... Uh, Slowdown? Yeah, using the slow-mo in order just to, like, make them move at a normal at a normal pace mm-hmm. so you can line up a shot on them. Yeah. I, I didn't do that at first. I killed a few before I clicked. I'm like, why am I not just slow-mo? And then I'm like, oh, this is simple now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you can just, you know, they're, they're just, I mean, they're, they're not moving like completely slow, but they're not running around and, you know, really fast. So they're easy just to take out. And also, if we want to talk a little bit like about the story that is happening and that they do put in your face, we should. is Colonel Vanek Jesse Ventura he sure as hell looks like Jesse Ventura from the 80s. I didn't look it up to see if I doubt it. I, I can't believe it, actually. They would have got him to do a voiceover. I mean, at this time, he was doing a lot of wild shit. He had, like, a UFO conspiracy show on the <laughs> History Channel. <laughs> Why? Because he's, fe- he's Jesse Ventura. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he was the governor of my state at one point. Not when I was here, but he was the governor. <laughs> um, governor of Minnesota at one point. Yeah, and, like... Vanek, I think, was just, like, a way more fun antagonist than anything else in the game. J- just just because he is totally done with everything that's going on, it- it's kind of fun to uh, just see someone behave like a normal person amidst all of this chaos. It wasn't and, him, by the way. He, he didn't do... Uh, it doesn't look like he did any video oh. game work ever. Wow. The last movie he did was 2014 called The Drunk, which doesn't even have a Wikipedia page for it, so that's saying something. <laughs> and then the la- and other three of the roles he did were just him playing himself and like, yeah, playing himself. Master of Disguise, Joe Somebody, and Ready to Rumble. So he, he wasn't doing a whole lot, it looked like, at least movie, like, movie-wise and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's kind of crazy, I think, too. He also did not age well. <laughs> Whenever I see pictures of him now, I'm like, man, you did, you, yeah, but I guess that's what happens when you do a lot of steroids in your life. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's your fun Jesse Ventura fact you, nobody asked for. <laughs> well, you are right. It does look like him. From It really does look like him. I didn't even think about that because I, I don't think about it. I never really think about Jesse Ventura. I've also haven't watched enough 80s movies, like the few he was in, or I was never a wrestling fan. So growing up, I watched Predator way more than any 10-year-old probably should. <laughs> so, that makes like, sense. yeah, like as soon as like you see Vanek's face, I'm like, Oh, th- this is a Jesse Ventura character, like top to bottom, like not just the <laughs> face, but his attitude. It was a lot of a lot of fun. And when when the story gets rid of him, I was sad because just like the looming promise of being able to put my boot in his ass was like the one of the more fun notions keeping me going forward. And that will he be? He becomes your antagonist pretty early in the game. I think it's interval two or three when you go in that machine, yeah. which essentially is a trap to alert Alma that you're around here and get your attention. Which you don't know that, but that's what the corporation is actually up to. They're trying to attract Alma, I think, is what it was. Hmm. Or something like, I mean, from I don't want to get to the ending yet, but essentially the whole idea is that whatever the ending was, the corporation lady that you're sent in to rescue is trying to make happen. She's not on your side. Yeah. Like you think she is. Yeah, and like this... Like, because I, I was such a lore hound, it's, this is kind of a thing that's a big problem in, I think, a lot of games of that time and still today, where, like, if you are finding those lore collectibles, 
you know that that, when it happens, is a thing you absolutely should not do. As as the player, you know, oh, this is not what I should be doing at all. This is going to make the situation worse. But thou must. (laughs) Well, he's not reading any of the manuals. It's like I wasn't. (laughs) Just doing what he's told. I mean, what is your, I don't even remember what your name, your name is Beckett, I think, which doesn't matter in this. You're just a, you're just a guy. But no, to go back to the Jesse Ventura guy. You are right. Like he does. Ha- I haven't seen Predator. I've seen Predator like maybe once. Okay. I've seen Predator a couple times when I was a kid, but not a whole lot. And I don't really remember much of it because that movie creeped me out as a kid. That was a scaredy kid when it came to movies. And I've seen Running Man like once in my life in high school when I was in high school and I graduated back in 06. So I should tell you how long it's been a while. So I don't. But now that you mentioned it, like more, more I'm just watching a cutscene with him too. Like it, it does feel like that. I mean, he's your antagonist for a good chunk of the game, but then you finally murder him. But I'm glad they didn't do the way of like some games would have made you do like a stupid shootout where he has a ton of health, but they just do a quick time event. Yeah. An early quick time event. Kind of. It wasn't, it didn't feel great on a mouse. Cause I just had to like shake my mouse back and forth and hit the right, hit the right button or something. I did, but still it was fine. Yeah. This it was always game. fun seeing him just randomly pop out throughout the levels and, it's like, oh yeah, it's this guy. Let's fight him a little. Yeah, just just seeing his face show up on a TV screen so he can curse at you. <laughs> yeah, he he was a good antagonist. He he was it was good to have like you have the guards that are being sent after you, and they never feel too difficult either. Like the security force, I mean, they felt like good fodder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, if I remember correctly, it's it's a, it's him that he re, the Jesse Ventura guy releases the clones on you. Yes, yes, he did. Which, isn't that what kills him, too, in the end, almost? Like, they just start wrecking his own forces? Basically, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't really get that. I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, they're not the smartest people. No, that's fine. I mean, uh, another thing that I do want to mention, I don't know if you guys have the same problem, is this game felt very dark to me when I was playing it. Like, I had a hard time seeing what I was doing. Oh, no, it it absolutely was. Oh, okay. okay, I I I did. Well, I played in a hotel room for a good chunk of this playthrough. So like, I had like the lights off, but there was still like sunlight from the window. I couldn't completely make it as dark as I could in my basement. And I remember just like the couple I, when I didn't have the flashlight, like I couldn't see shit. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I was playing with a more optimal setup than my youth on a nice big <laughs> HD screen with no lights on behind me. And even <laughs> then, and even then, I was like, God, I hate it when. Like they do the Alma shit, because then the flashlight stops working properly, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I want to be able to see what I'm doing. No, that's completely fair, and it was just, it was just, I don't, I don't like really dark games anymore. Like I'm having the same problem with Undead Nightmare that I'm playing, where I just can't see what I'm doing sometimes. That bothers me. <laughs> and I'm not playing that on a PC. Unfortunately, I'm playing that on a big screen TV, but just I guess too much lighting. I, I also messed with the brightness in the game; it got a little bit better. Because I'm one of those people when I play horror games, I also like I turn the brightness up all the way a lot of times because I don't want to be scared. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I was much the same way. I think I I didn't quite max out the gamma, but I took it up there. You have to sometimes, especially when you make a game hard to see. That's when I, I I'm very much about doing it. I mean, this game did have a good scare factor, like when it does the Alma stuff. That that made me jump multiple times and freaked me out, and I liked it. Because it didn't like it didn't affect gameplay. It didn't make the game harder. It wasn't like, oh shit, I got to deal with Alma now, and we got to waste ammo and health. It was just like you're gonna watch a weird scene, or she's just going to be appearing randomly in front of you, walking, or she's just gonna murder a guy that might have been a problem for you, and like just little stuff like that. And I really appreciated it. I, I was certainly scared more in this game than the first Sphere. Uh, you know, that's so when she just pop um, up right behind you, and it's like, okay, where'd she go? She went somewhere. 
I don't want to walk down there, but I have to. She does a good job of leading you in this game, too. Yeah, definitely feel you definitely get more the sense that, like, she is doing something instead of, like, just being there. Yeah, because I I know your your mission midway through the game is to murder her. Yeah. And then that's your endgame mission. But again, you're also following her constantly. (laughs) (laughs) I like it that she leads you. I I didn't have a problem with the fact that she's always just kind of telling you where to go and being like, okay, you got to go here. You got, you know, like I mean, not like, okay, not telling you in the sense of telling you, but like you'll all of a sudden see this ghostly naked woman just start walking down a hallway. You go, yep, I got to go that way. (laughs) That didn't, I mean, it still freaked me out. Like it didn't bother me, but it, it didn't, it unsettled me, I should say. Yeah, it definitely, I think, helps this game build a sense of tension because it, it's kind of like what I was talking about with, like, the the lore tells you that you should not be doing what you're doing. This kind of does much the same thing where you're like, I feel like if the ghost woman wants me to go this way and that's the way I'm being told I should also go to kill her, I don't think I'm actually in control in this situation. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> I mean, I think for a good chunk of the game, my brain saw it as, okay, we're hunting her. So that's why I'm just I'm tracking her down. But like the more that I, since I, since this game is done and I know where it goes, I'm like, yeah, you're not, you're not tracking her. She's, she's luring you. <laughs> like, that's what's happening here. <laughs> you're not in control ever. Like you're just a puppet essentially. Literally too. Like you're not, I mean, you're a special force guy. Like you have a couple. I, I do like that they gave you a couple people that join you mm-hmm. that then they get murdered throughout the game for no reason. But that they was actually, I liked it. I like the first one. They are characters. Yeah, no, they were. I liked the girl. I don't remember her name, but the random girl is with you for a majority of this game. I liked her. I was like, OK, uh, this is cool. Yes. Yeah, voiced jokes. by uh, Cortana's. Hey, loves Cortana's voice actress, Jennifer Taylor, I think. Oh, that's cool. I instantly recognized the voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, now that I think about it, I, I hear it. I have not played enough Halo. Unfortunately, <laughs> the Halo I've played the most of my life is Halo Fireteam Raven at this point. Oh, so. yeah, I don't think she's, she's in that. that one. No, it's some. It's Wesley AI is the, the AI that talked to you in that game. Oh. It's an arcade game for those like what's what's that? It's, it's a. But she's also she, like Microsoft Siri Cortana. No, the voice which of. I do not use. <laughs> so, a one little like cool callback they did in this game too is like when you have a flashlight on, I would hear him go, "I see a flashlight," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, this again." <laughs> but. Like the one thing about the combat that I noticed in this game is that they don't there's not as many open rooms to flank you. I didn't really think about it while I was playing, but after I watched a YouTube video that talked about about it, they're like enemies can't flank you as well as they couldn't want. It wasn't designed that way. Hmm. And I mean, I get it like from a, like if you like the challenge part of it, like, you know, that made it more, you know, they were more aggressive AI. I personally like the fact that it just I go in a straight room, I know they're over there, I'm over here, I just have to shoot them. Like I like that better to me cuz it was less challenging. And it was still fun cuz when you take a guy, when you shoot a guy with a shotgun and point at point blank range, it's still fun. I don't care if it's easy <laughs> or not. It's still fun. Although it started, it started to feel to me at a point like they try to make up for the simplicity of the enemy AI with a oh, bunch of waist high. Sh- well, there's that too, but also just like a bunch of waist high stuff. Because like there are places where it's like, okay, you see the enemies on one side of the room, you're coming in on the other, and you have pretty good line of sight to shoot them, but actually navigating the area is a bit of a pain because there's desks and gurneys and stuff yeah. in between you all over the place. Did you guys ever flip tables and actually use them as cover? Oh, no. Okay. Not I flipped once. it by accident. 
Yeah, I flipped him on. I flipped my accident, or I just flipped him on purpose just to watch the animation of him flipping it. And I was like, okay, that's nice. I did have enemies do it to me in front of me, and I laughed and I shot him in the face. But I did have it happen. I had some guy stop, flip a table, like, oh, that's nice. I just headshot. So. There's a part of me that's kind of curious if, in much the same way that Gears of War was originally conceived of as a tactics game, if this was originally conceived of as a Gears clone. Huh. As much as I, as I saw this was just a first-person shooter still, like this was just going to be a spiritual successor to Fear 1 at first. Mm. So I okay. don't think so, but yeah, you, you were a good point, but it probably just was because of the ecosystem at that time was cover shooter, cover shooter, cover shooter. I mean, Uncharted would have been big at this time. I mean, still kind of is, but there's no more entries. So, I mean, there, so I, I think that just kind of was the atmosphere. Like, we have to have cover in our game. But cover doesn't work as well in a first-person shooter. Like, that idea of... Yeah, and especially with... Because this game is so fast. Yeah. <laughs> You like can't, the, you don't want to stay put. Yeah. I know they took out the leaning to make the game um, harder and feel less. Because in the first game, you could lean. They're like, well, we want to take that out because if you could lean, then you could, like, you know, I, I make it too easy or something, I guess. with the. But I'm like, the lean actually made more sense because then when you had the lean, they did more damage. They made this game way easier than <laughs> one. One, I had to cheat to get through. This game, I didn't have to cheat and I died three times, maybe three times on easy, if that. And mostly because of my own stupidity. Um, I, I don't know. I I think the real reason from when I was also watching the video why they think Lean was taken out was because the console couldn't handle it as well. And this game was kind of like this game came out in PC, but it was also really made for consoles to go along with like the 360 was so big at this time. Yeah, I heard it was designed, built on PC, then transferred to console. Yeah, I mean, this this felt like a console game. I mean, I played this on PC because I play every first person shooter now on PC because I love mouse and keyboard setup and I love my PC because it's portable. <laughs> so that's part of it. But I, I could feel it. Like, there were little things like that. Like, yeah, it just didn't feel... Also, I, I do have a, good, a big question for you guys. Did you guys play on 360 or PC? I played on 360, because that's the copy I could find. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine. 360. Okay. Did you guys have a problem with zooming, like, when you had to switch to crosshairs? Not really. No. I don't recall. Okay. I For me, it was it's either... It was either ship... No, it was control. The control key and the keyboard. And it never felt good to me. I almost never used it. And yes, I could have probably changed keys, but it just didn't feel good. Like it was, I, I didn't do crosshairs very often. I always shot from the hip just because I didn't want to hit control. Mm. I, yeah. I want to hit right mouse to zoom in like, like a Call of Duty game is, but I didn't also want to change my control settings, my key bindings. Yeah, no, on the gamepad, they go with like the standard left trigger. Okay, so I don't know why it was different on the mouse, because, okay, mm. that also kind of showed that this game was really made for, you know, controller. Especially like the weapon wheel, the way it maps very neatly to it. Oh yeah, D-pad. I didn't have a weapon wheel. <laughs> oh well, on the console version, and this is something that I want to talk about because early in the game, my biggest enemy was the controls. Because <laughs> to change weapons, you have to hold the left bumper, and then there's a little weapon wheel that's got two grenade slots left and right, two weapon slots up and down, and you just navigate that with the D-pad. You hold the bumper, you navigate that. Now, for people who maybe aren't terribly familiar with FPS design of the last decade, <laughs> left bumper is normally the grenade button. <laughs> and right bumper is usually the weapon wheel button. And credit to their oh. physics model, if you hold the grenade button to cook your grenade and then throw it right at a wall in front of you, it doesn't just, like, fall ineffectually to the ground. It it ricochets back in your face and kills you. 
<laughs> I I didn't use grenades a ton in this game either. Partly because like oh for me to go back to what you're saying for me to change it I had a, the mouse wheel is how I would change my guns. But there wasn't like a wheel like I didn't see a wheel I just would switch through different guns to see what I had which didn't feel as good. It worked. The grenades was a little bit more funky. Like I had to look up a couple times what what key was it to change grenades because the G key throws grenades and I forget what key it was to switch grenades, but it wasn't real friendly. Again, yes. the, the more and more this game feels like I should have played it on console, but I just <laughs> or use the fake three six controller I had literally right next to me, but I just didn't want to. Because <laughs> I mean, a shooter, I feel like it should be on mouse and keyboard, but it just didn't. It just didn't feel good. And, I, and yes, I like, like for those of us like, well, I need to change the damn keys. But I don't want to. I want to go whatever whatever keys the game had said. Like this is how we're going to have it set up. Like these are our default controls. I try to use those. Yeah, I mean, in, a lot, in a lot of ways, that does like give you some pretty good insight into what the devs were thinking when they made a game. If they were see Dark Souls on PC, <laughs> <laughs> okay, a, yeah, no, that. a notoriously busted control scheme. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, something I, I know you got to bind it. I just didn't expect it with, with this since I thought this was a PC, you know, game designed for PC, like Fear 1 was. Because Fear 1, I don't remember how it, but I remember it played well. Like, I, I don't think I had complaints. Call this an episode. Hear what I said. I don't remember. But I don't think I had complaints with, with the, like, crosshairs. I feel like I did crosshairs a lot in that game. But I don't remember. I just never did it. Even, like, the uh, changing time, I didn't do as much in this game as I would have liked to. Because for me, it was the shift key. But after a while, I got used to it. But it's just, like, control was just not fun to want to go into crosshairs. And then alt was the run button. I didn't run a whole lot in this game. But that was okay. That didn't really bother me. I didn't really have a problem with that one. And much of other stuff. That, that, that does sound like a shockingly hostile control scheme. <laughs> As a guy who plays a lot of shooters, it, it wasn't that friendly. Yeah, and like, ev- like everything you're talking about you didn't really do was the opposite of my experience. I was ADS all the time. I was running all the time. I was slow mowing all the time. I was throwing grenades all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how I thought the game would be more of, but it just wasn't for me. Hmm. It was really just shooting constantly. I mean, just lots and lots of shooting, which is fine. But it, I wasn't using the other tools that I had. I didn't. The only time I would really pull out grenades is when I fought a mech, where I pretty much had to use the grenade to the the shock grenade to stop it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was a pain in the ass. So, how was your experience actually driving the mech? I had no issues driving the mech. Okay. Did it give you trouble? It was okay. I just think the overall design for me didn't sit too well okay it's kind of like titanfall before titanfall it's like i i I can understand you know get out of the titan sorry get out of the mech for it to (laughs) recharge and get the shield back but then hop back in and i i don't know if it was 100 percent full or not you uh don't need to at least on easy you don't need to get out for it (laughs) oh on hard i think i had to wow okay yeah i didn't have to get out of it either i could just sit in it forever and i was like I only had to get out when the game made me get out at the end. I never had issues otherwise. Okay, well, um, I, I, well, play on hard, you a lot more trouble. That's why I wasn't playing on hard. <laughs> and, I mean, I give you commands for doing it. I just, I, I can't. I, I play very few games on hard. So, Ronald, you, you had talked about some parts giving you difficulty. And now that we're talking about the mechs, there was one part that even on easy stumped me like a dozen times. And that's the end of the first mech section when you have to get out, even though it doesn't look like you really need to, to go into the parking ramp. Did that give you problems? 
I think I was actually able to ride the mech into the parking garage. It gave me trouble. I, I, I would probably say my other issue is that those enemies are, look so tiny, and sometimes there's a highlight on them, but I was getting shot from all different corners, so I had to play it very, very slowly. Mm. But I do think at some point I did jump out of the mech, and maybe it got a little easier for me because I was you know, smaller target. I could more easily see who was in front of me. Okay. Because for, for me, what the big problem was, like, the being in the mech was no issue, but one thing that took me a while to figure out is while you're in the mech, it constantly spawns rocket launcher enemies mm. back in the parking ramp. And so sometimes if you're not, like, making sure to aim there every 30 seconds to clear the guys out when they spawn <laughs> back in, you can pop out of the mech and have to dodge, like, two or three <laughs> missile launchers. Which, even on easy, even with full armor, is an instant kill. Wow. That didn't happen. I feel like I didn't have that many rocket launchers spawn. Like, they would spawn, I'd kill them, but I didn't have much much problem with that at all. Yeah, I know. That that, that part made me stop and put the game down for several weeks. (laughs) I I thought there were, like, enemies that spawned on limited. I had a feeling, like, are they really going to keep spawning until I reach a certain point? Uh, But I never figured it out. Because I was able to slowly inch forward in some of those sections, because those, yes, those rocket launchers are very mean on hard, even in the mech. Especially if I have to jump out, that means I have to go down the street and back down the street. And guess what? Some of them are going to chase me down that street. That's a fair statement, yes. (laughs) And yeah, until you get into the back corner of the parking ramp, the rocket launchers are endlessly respawning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I didn't have any problem with the mech. I... My mech never, barely ever even got damaged much on easy. Like, I was able just to sit in the mech and just kept going to where I needed to go. And then eventually it'd be like, you, well, you should get out of the mech. I'm like, okay. And then I would, I'd realize when I saw that option that I must be near what I need to be. I had constant warning signs I was going to explode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did in the DLC. In the DLC, it, it gave okay. me, it complained to me, but nothing else. Well, like, we all had different experiences. <laughs> no, which is good. I'm, I'm glad. Like, I like. Yeah. I like when that happens when we when when we do a game on the show. Like people all have different experiences and like you know had things go ways they didn't expect. Because mm-hmm. it makes for one a better conversation and two just to kind of like you know to kind of highlight what this there is a lot of differences to this game. I mean, this game felt linear in one sense. Like when I was going through areas, I didn't get lost a whole lot because I could eventually you know usually figure out where I need to go. And I know for some people that would be a complaint. For me, it wasn't a complaint. I'm like, this is fine. Like, I didn't mind the fact that the game was like, we're leading you to where we want you to go. Yeah, that was definitely a big help this time. Because, like, maybe it's because I wasn't stoned this time, but I had had no urban decay situation where I was running around in circles for 10 minutes. I, I, it could have been that you weren't stoned, but I also think it's just the game. To be honest, it's more of the game itself. This game felt very... Again, console heavy, where it was designed to lead you to where it wanted you to go. Where in the first game, I think there were times where I just got completely lost and I just find an enemy. Okay, there's an enemy here, so this must be the right way. Like, I'm going, like, this game did a much friendlier job of showing you where to go and what to do. But then again, I think you need that because, like, the 360 era, when I think the 360, I think of lots of games where there, you know, there are tons of markers saying, go here, do this. This is where, like, and personally, I love that. I've, I'm a big person and I'm a big fan of game for like, this is where you need to go. This is the icon. Here you go. You know, if you don't want to turn it off, but we're going to show you what to do. So you play our game. And I'm, I appreciate that more than wandering around getting lost. Respect my time. <laughs> so, 
that's all I, it just was, it was, it was very, and it, and it felt natural. Like, even though I knew the game was leading me places, it didn't feel like it as much. Like it, it didn't feel a like handheld, Like the game was holding my hand. It just, I was just able to, like, it was just the way it was designed. I mean, it does take away, like I said earlier, you know, the fact that the enemies can't flank you, you can't flank the enemies. And for some people, that's a big complaint. But for me, I enjoyed just the straightforwardness of it. It was still fun. Yeah, I think... Because it seems like, like generally, yeah, the public consensus on this franchise in general is that, like, the first is a masterpiece, and the second one is generally pretty well received, except for some uh, story beats, which <laughs> we'll probably get into later. Soon, and, yeah. <laughs> but generally kind of divisive, and I think the reason it's divisive is because it's actually pretty clever in a lot of ways, because, like, yeah, it is... It's showing you where to go, but it's very much like a show-don't-tell. You don't have, like, a waypoint floating through a wall that <laughs> you're trying to get to. Instead, you do have Alma or Keegan just, oh, yeah. like, walking through a doorway. And because, like, I I beat this game last night. And so, like, the final level where you're trying to follow Keegan through the Still Island facility, I was actually really glad for that because... You can tell that they intended for a lot more combat to happen here that they just didn't put in, which is nice because there are a lot of yellow handrails in this area and having like a teleporting around guy show me, okay, how do I not just have to jump over rails and climb a bunch of ladders to get (laughs) all the way across these cavernous rooms? It was nice. I liked it when I did like that too. That you just we just have Keegan's like, oh, you got to go here. Oh, look, you're just too short. Oh, you missed him. No, he's over here now. You know, like I liked that. I had no issue whatsoever with that part. I mean, in this game, it did a good job of having your creepy elements. Like you have the school that you're in for a good chunk of the game because I think it's mid mm-hmm. early on. This guy, this random guy on the radio, talks to you, Snake Fist, which made me laugh. <laughs> Who just like, hey, you know, I, you know, you got to kill Alma and starts giving you destructions, and then eventually tells you to go to a school to meet him, and then like. Schools are always creepy in horror games. They just are. <laughs> in the horror sc- movies, too. The school didn't really get to me at first, but, like, it, as I was reading, like, the lore pickups and finding out that, like, okay, this is just a compound for industrialized psychological torture of children. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> yep. what it is. They're trying to create uh, harbinger candidates like Beckett. That that makes it way creepier. But, I mean, again, you were getting the full experience because you were reading the note. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize what the hell was going on until all of a sudden we get to the end of the school. And there's an elevator going down. I'm like, why is there a lab underneath the school? <laughs> like, this isn't Resident Evil. Like, again, speaking of like creeping horror stuff, did you stop and watch the instructional tape in the corner of the room before you go into the nurse's office? I did not. Yeah, so there's there's a TV in the waiting room, and you can like stop and watch it, and it's like an instructional video for the children telling them how to behave during their nurse's office visits. And so it's like, and again, like it's actually really clever foreshadowing for something that you're about to encounter in five minutes. If you stop and watch this whole thing, it's like, okay, when you get to the nurse's office, take off your shoes and remove all magnetic objects from your pockets. When you are ready, the nurse's assistant will unlock the door and come and get you. And then like, and it's all like this, like late nineties kind of like faux paper craft aesthetic thing where it's like static image like static pictures of people moving around panning around the screen kind of and so you see this kid like lying on this table with like the doctor looking over them 
disconcertingly impassively, but then a really neat detail they add in is that, like, the decorations on the wall go out of screen upward because the video is priming the kids to expect to see the elevator go see that as the elevator goes down as the anesthetic kicks in that's kind of cool that's a cool little thing that you wouldn't see if you weren't you know if you didn't stop and like if you if you didn't stop like i did i just kept going yeah no i yeah like i was going around and i saw this like tv and i i noticed that it was the thing that caught my eye was that it like it wasn't a standard um like screensaver thing going on so i decided to stop and watch it and then like i saw the text come up like what to expect when you visit the nurse's office. <laughs> okay, that does make it creepier I, by a lot. The school for me was just creepy, just I guess because it's just as I find schools creepy in horror movies and games. when They're empty and they're full of things trying to kill me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that would be like a good like H-bomb or Jacob Geller video essay on like how <laughs> uh, like the, the public school as locus of horror because it represents like both ex- the, the site of... Oftentimes, a lot of extreme trauma, but also a lot of like necessary vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does that. That all sounds accurate. Yeah, oh, I'm watching a. I've been watching a speed run off and on. We as we've been talking and like for the for the school, the guy just completely like, glitches through the walls to get to the <laughs> nurses' office before they lock the door. <laughs> wow! There's somebody running that you're. I guess that you're chasing sort of that will close the door behind you. You can just you could just slow it down and follow them because you glitch through things. Where you're not mm. supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to go back and get the uh, get the key card, mm. which just skip oh, yeah. stuff. Like I, this is something that I kind of want to see what you guys thought of the Puppet Master mini bosses. Am I the only one who thought that they like were really anticlimactic? I didn't like them. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, no. They just they just felt like a huge drag because on every difficulty, these guys have huge pools of health. And, I mean, if you get close enough, I guess they attack you, but mostly, like, the screen shakes and you get a bright flash, and it's just irritating more than anything. And then you're playing... As you say, their attacks really do hurt on hard, if you're not careful. Uh, I don't want to say instant death, but there are times where, you know, your health just drains so quickly, it's like, oh, well, I'm dead, gotta restart the checkpoint. And then the other issue with hard is some some of the puppets they're controlling are holding guns. And, and you, you, you kill them, and they don't die. I mean, they die and fall to the ground, but they'll come back with their gun again. Uh-huh. Shoot you two Which, or three times each time you kill them. In the school, to me, was particularly egregious because, like, a lot of these corpses were conspicuously next to explosive barrels. <laughs> so, like, I see that gamer brain, and, like, this is a game known for for evaporating the human body. So I just thought, okay... I will just shoot the explosive barrel and I won't have to deal with these guys as I'm playing the world's longest game of hide and seek. And no, no, they just completely no sell it. I didn't like those guys as much because they just, they, they took a lot of shots and they were constantly running away from me. So just, they just kind of irritated me. Well, the first time you meet them like out in the city streets after the bomb went off, I thought it was kind of cool. Like to see how people are mm-hmm. reacting to like the radiation. And I don't know why I thought this, but I think the next boss you encountered was like a big tough guy who just charged you. So I thought all these mini bosses would have like different gimmicks, like a puppet master, a brute. That's fair. But then, then there's another puppet master, and I was like, well, this this is dumb, and it's you know a whole bunch of small offices placed together, and 
people with guns who won't disintegrate. <laughs> not much for flanking, but sometimes they appear behind you, and you don't know where the other puppet master is going to run from. So there were only three of them in this game, too, from what the YouTube video told me that I was watching. Because he liked them, and I'm like, I just didn't, I didn't, I don't know, I just didn't care for them. I, I enjoyed just fighting the clones and fighting security guards, things that I could easily just massacre. Yeah, and like I, I was never a big fan of like the mech fights, but even like fighting the mech on the ground is a much, it's just more of like an engaging like environmental challenge. Because like, yeah, you need to use the shot grenades or. In the city areas, you have the very conveniently placed sparking transformers you can shoot. <laughs> you needed that, though. Fighting a mech without a mech was, I mean, even on some, even on easy, it was a hell of a fight sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, this is hard. I mean, I know the first mech you run into is like in a basement when you're waiting on an elevator. And like that was like, I'm like, that's imp-. like, this was a lot. And then you fight a, a couple more. You talk about in the, in the streets. Like, yeah, you had the Transformer, but it didn't stop them. It just stunned them for a bit. Mm-hmm. It was, they were tough. I think this game does a good job of transitioning, like from level to level, where you're constantly like, you're just, tr- you're just traveling. It, it kind of feels like you're just traveling through a, through a real world. Like something happens, you get into an APC at certain points and you drive somewhere. Then something happens, you get out of the APC. And, but it never feels like, you're teleporting, you just feel like you're just trying to get through to this one destination. And I like that. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I definitely noticed that while, because I'm an architecture and level design dork, I suppose, <laughs> that a lot of the interiors still felt weirdly um, artificial, which mm. like makes a lot of sense in the fake hospital early on in the game. That was actually like the first time I look at a skylight and see that, oh, it's just like an LED screen hanging off of a wall. I was like, oh, huh. Okay, so this definitely might just intentionally be a maze. So that, that was also something that I found striking. But the way that the fact that like you're not spending like a quarter of the game navigating a sewer plant and then miles and miles of samey office cubicle farms was a very welcome pace, even if you probably literally do spend similar proportions of the game like in industri- in like ruined city and subway tunnels and the school and the secret hospital i really like how there's outside of like the big set pieces of the fake hospital and the school there is this constant like up and down give and take between the environment types that kept it from feeling like a drag at in the way that the first one could. That's fair. And as I forgot about, but I'm watching videos, this game had two mandatory turret scenes because uh, it's, yep. it's a 360 era. We got to have your mandatory turret scenes, but they didn't bother me in this game. Both felt kind of good. Like the, when you're in the APC and the APC crashes into the subway, t- like crashes into the road, you got to Like they both felt, they both felt fine when you had them. Like they didn't bother me. They didn't feel attacked on. They felt like, okay, this, this makes sense. Yeah. The only like my only complaint with either of them was that there were kind of like minor bugs with them. Like in the su- in the one in the subway, there was just like one enemy who was like stuck behind a corner somewhere out of sight. Oh, and it was the very last one, so I couldn't see who I had to shoot, but like I could hear like faint enemy chatter, and like none of my squad were doing we're just they were just frozen in place not doing anything so i just had to start 
just shooting wide, just like wildly, like scanning the room with turret fire in the hopes that like the AOE damage from one of the shells would just finish off the last guy somewhere. Okay, I didn't have that. I didn't have anyone get hidden on or hidden on me when I did it. When you just encountered an unfriendly bug. mm -hmm. And then in the second one, the interaction prompt inside of the airlock just didn't come up the first time. Okay. But that turret sequence was actually pretty fun. There's a lot of stuff you can blow up, and the enemies <laughs> keep coming from different places. So yeah, I I, I just because I, I'm not a big fan of turret sequences in games, and this was one where I'm actually like, okay, this was actually kind of fun. But again, just tearing up people in fear just is fun. <laughs> so, I mean, that is what the game has going for it. I mean, I know the enemies do vary. Like, you do have some stronger guys that you do fight that are the clone troopers that have like the the stake guns. They're not. They weren't as hard to fight as they were in the first game. But you do have them again. You had the oh, yeah. the stealth ghosty guys that would like just that couldn't camouflage. Once I forgot the trick to beat them, they were easy. Yeah, I kind I kind of liked them more in this game. They were better in this game. They were also dramatic. Well, they're probably better because they're tremendously easier. That too. Well, I mean, I would just slow mo and just gun them down, and because again, I mean, it makes sense if if it, maybe I watched too much Star Trek over the years and, and too much science fiction. But if you're a stealth, if you're something that can go stealth, you should have no armor because that's what you're you're sacrificing for the stealth. Mm -hmm. You know, if you play a game where you're a character that can camouflage, you're meant to be not be seen. You're not going to be very strong. So an enemy that can camouflage itself should not be a freaking bullet sponge. It just goes against the idea of what you're having. Mm -hmm. So that's just how I feel about that. So I was okay with the fact that they weren't very difficult. Yep, they're super effective on hard. I'll admit that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Me meanwhile, on easy, their very presence is vaguely comical because <laughs> mm -hmm. they're just coming out of nowhere to try to engage you in just like... Golden eye split screen slappers only. <laughs> That's a fair way to put it. That's how it felt. Like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna smack you all. Oh, you are, huh? Freeze time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Shotgun loaded. Let's see how you uh, handle this. Yeah, I'll see them flicker on the other side of the room. It's like, oh no. Where's the health back? Where's the armor? I mean, they're not too hard to kill, but sometimes you just have like half a second to react to them. No, I can get that completely. <laughs> Did you have any issue with health packs, like finding health packs throughout the game on hard? Uh, I think it was effective of, I don't want to say I was always running out, but because I was always running out, I was always picking them up. Okay. Dropping some, enemies do drop, some of them will drop like their little health file. They'll give you some health. It felt like it's the like, game oh, recognized that when you needed it and would drop it. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes I wish I had more, but it's like always in the next room, always, you know, pushing forward. Just have to be even more careful with how I'm handling this situation. Uh, okay. This one fight where like, maybe we have to stay back a little bit, take it even slower. Just I, like I said, not I don't want to say it was super grindy, uh, but most of the game I was able just to kind of breeze through. Okay, well that's good. I I would max out in health packs sometimes, but often enough I was picking them up. Like the game did a mm -hmm. it did a good job where I never felt like okay I'm just screwed, which is what I feel like with fear what happened to me in fear one because I know I had to cheat in fear one and. I think it's because I just got screwed completely and I just couldn't go forward. I was having a hard it time. It was the uh, train section where I felt screwed. <laughs> That's fair. Also, this game doesn't have built-in cheat codes like Fear 1 did. Because Fear 1 on PC had built-in cheat codes you could just type in. This game, I had to, I would have had to download a trainer that I could have then enhanced it with to, to do it. 
like this game wasn't built that way, which I appreciate because when you have cheat codes built in, you're usually like, <laughs> we know we're hard, so we're going to give you the tools to get through it, <laughs> like an RTS. Okay, but yeah, and then it never. I mean, I always felt like I was finding enough health packs, finding enough armor. I mean, enemies didn't drop a lot of health for me because I usually wasn't hurting just because I was uneasy. But like when I was, all of a sudden there'd be a bunch of health packs dropping, and I appreciate when games do that. Just the mechs. The mechs kill. I died from the mechs. And I died at one point when I was being when I didn't want to use a sniper because I didn't know how to zoom in the sniper rifle. And then the game's like, <laughs> if you don't do this, you're going to die. So I had to look up the controls. I couldn't remember it was shift key or control. But that was, a, that was again, that was a me problem, not the game problem. Yeah, I was trying to say there's another section or two I struggled on hard, but I just don't remember them right now. It's been a few weeks since I've finished the game. Yeah, the train section, I definitely do remember the most. The train section, the ending train section was kind of fun. I mean, that was the one part where it just felt like I was just like, Fighting an endless amount of guys, but you know, you're near the end of the game, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it, I'm watching a video right now, and I know one part, I guess you had to like, oh, when you're trying to get to the train that goes to the island, like you're at like the bottom yeah. site or something. Is that where the nuke went off? Uh, yeah, it's a train. So there's like two trains going down a tunnel, and they're like platforms, and the platforms lift and move. So you're on one train, and there's a train on the left side of you going forward, and enemies would spawn there. But enemies would also spawn on the train platform you're on. So you're getting attacked from two different locations. But then the train on the left will move so the enemies are shooting down at you. And that that was really, really rough. rough. And I feel like they're doing a lot of damage to me and just trying to find any type of cover. Yeah, there wasn't a whole it's, lot of cover on that train. Yeah, so. But it's essentially the, like, the last big shootout before the game mm-hmm. is over. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that going in. No, uh, I know. <laughs> the game definitely slows down after that. Yeah. Besides the... the ACP waterworks area were almost located. With the game completely, like I like that you kind of know that you're getting near the end of the game. Like because I wasn't really looking up a lot of stuff about this game. I could just you could just you could feel like story wise and everything you're getting near the end of the game, and that that was I kind of I appreciated that. Yeah, it feels like you take every step in this game to get to the end. Yeah, like you're always you're heading toward the same plan the entire time, and it I felt it did a good way of doing it. It also I I appreciate that. <laughs> the train again it just reminded me this game really reminded made me think of resident evil because you're in, like underground labs and stuff and it's a bad corporation that's doing evil things and trying to cover up their tracks and i mean in this game i think you also are a little bit more sympathetic to alma as you're reading all like the story where you find out that she was just you know a tortured girl and then i mean you find out in the first game but it does more in this game in the notes mm-hmm. if you're reading them <laughs> which yeah. i was not <laughs> oh, yeah, this corporation's trying to make more people for her to use I'm like wow i mean they're also Cute. trying like I mean, you don't find this out to the end, but the whole point of the story is to get you there so you can impregnate her. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point. That's a, yeah, I, I I thought that was interesting. And when you finally get to the end, doesn't your the 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 woman commander that's with you? She dies finally, right? She gets shot yep, by the corporation. She, she gets killed by the uh, original lady you're going after to rescue. Which I forgot about. Yes, to rescue. Uh, but then I think Alma ends up killing her and. Yep. And then you get locked in a chair that you purposely sat in thinking it would kill Alma even because you were tricked. And then Alma touches her belly and she's pregnant. It's an effective ending for sure. It gets a response out of everyone. It was very odd. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I did like and notice because right before the start I actually played like the last boss fight and saw the ending. It's like at the very beginning of the game, it tells you you're going to do this thing. And at the very end, it happens. So fail. But they told you it's going to happen anyway. So... I just wasn't like, I wasn't expecting that to be the ending. I wasn't expecting him to essentially pregnate the the character that is kind of like in this whole game. Because she was like only five years old in the first game, and 
and this game takes place moments after that game and she's well older. she was already older in the first game it's just that you only see her as a child her age is changes like five times like i think it takes place in the 80s or started in the 80s and but then it takes place in present year 2009 it's yeah no that. they they didn't really like know what they were i, I think it was a combination like we're not sure how to do this <laughs> And it's just kind of like it's a weird ending. I mean, there are a couple parts in this game where you go into the other like like the psychedelic world or something where you're like in a brown haze and you fight. You just shoot things and disappear like stuff like that off and on. Yeah, because you see Alma a couple times and you quote unquote fight her, which makes this parts when you see her, in my mind, at least more effective because you don't know if you're going to fight her or not. Because she'll just magically appear and be like, nope, we're going to fight each other, do do the dirty deed. And nope, I'm going to shoot my gun in your face, except for the ending. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I was really surprised when, you know, that happened like that. You just, that you essentially lose like everything you're doing was just to help out Alma, not to further your mission, which was to kill Alma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it just ends. That's where the DLC comes in. Uh, I have not played the DLC, so you didn't miss much. Uh, I, OK, but I will. There is a little bit of story. Oh, so, so the, the very end of the scene is you're sitting in the chair and then the, the, the chair closes and you. Yeah, you failed, essentially. That's almost pregnant with your baby, apparently. So you can make another psychedelic baby. Yeah, which, like, that that ending sequence is, like, the thing that burned a lot of my goodwill for towards this game. Because, like, dur- during that, like, weird final boss fight in your mind, you might have noted that there are, cut- there are shots cutting back to Alma. And the thing which wasn't necessarily immediate clear because... Be- because like her arms are going all over the place, is that those are Beckett's POV of Alma riding him. <laughs> that just made it worse. Yep. Yeah. And just made it completely worse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize that. I thought it was more like a psychedelic thing where all of a sudden, like, okay, oh, yeah, she's no. pregnant, not they did the dirty deed. So. Which like I, I will say I had not played the game before, but I wasn't going into it completely blind. So I was kind of anticipating this and bracing for it, but I was still gobsmacked by it. Because, like, arguably one of the more distressing things about it is they make her sexy for it. Yeah, they try. That's a little... Like, I, I, I get the feeling that this was a sequence written by someone who was aware that, like, sexual assault is a serious grown-up topic that needs serious grown-up handling. (laughs) And their idea of serious grown-up handling was Cinemax, I guess? (laughs) It was just kind of strange. It also doesn't really, like, feel like much of an ending, too. You're like, what the hell? Like, what was the point of all this? Like, you're just confused. Yeah, it... (laughs) I mean, it was 2009, so we were less, like, aware of stuff. I mean, yeah, it's not. I yeah. mean, we it was. I mean, it feels like it wasn't that long ago because it, it, I mean, it's only twelve years. But like, I feel like as a as a culture, we have approved a lot in twelve years when it comes to things. Like, I mean, I know at one time, like if I would when like, when I was younger in high school, like graduate six so before, like you know, you I, I remember people making the stupid oh man can't get raped by a woman ho 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 like you know. <laughs> so I think that also kind of like feeds into that into what they you know them being stupid here too. Yeah, which is, like, I'm sure if I had played through and beaten the game the first time I played it, when I was, like, yeah, probably 13 or 14, 
I'm sure I would have walked away from it being like, oh, man, that's like profound and messed up, man. Like go, going back to my previously stated thesis of how much of an idiot was I at 13? <laughs> I mean, we all are. Okay, let's not. I mean, I made so many jokes that I thought were funny when I was in middle school and high school that I go back. I would never say, utter those words again. So, yeah, no, I we were stupid. That's just us and culture. Yeah. Plus, I mean, depending on like I'm 34, I'm 35 currently. Like, you know, you look back like 15 years ago, like 20 years ago, <laughs> you know, or when I was 15. Like, I mean, like the things that were I remember, like people, you know, just were, comments people would make that I'm not going to make on here. Like, you know, that was just normal things I would not say nowadays because it's insult. And when I, I know when I talked to one of my old high school friends a couple of years ago and we were playing a game and he used some of the slurs we use as kids, I'm like, we're 30 now. Like, what? <laughs> why? why? <laughs> like, I get it. We're at 13, 14, 15, but we're 30. What? What What are we doing here? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just grow up. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I guess if any franchise, I would argue if any franchise had like the cachet to merit like a remake and would probably benefit the most from one. I, I think the Fear franchise would, but then I had to question, does the Fear franchise have any cultural cachet after Fear 3? Uh, <laughs> it didn't have an online game. An uh, online-only game that didn't last long that wasn't that great from what I was hearing. Wow. Is that Fear 3, or is that a different game? It's a different game altogether. Okay, because I thought there were, like, four Fear games. No, there's... there's Well, technically... Uh, the online game that, is technically a game, but... Each one becomes more obscure. <laughs> Fear 3 is the last main entry, and then there's just an online-only game that came out made by someone completely different that didn't last very long before they shut it down. But that's it. I mean, oh, and for the Reborn, you're not playing as Point Man or Beckett. You're playing as a clone that starts getting talked to by, I think, I don't really know who was talking to him, to be honest. But you end up you end up working with the clones at first, and you end up betraying the clones, so then they're hunting you, too, because... You were told either you were told to kill them or you were framed. I don't really remember it. It only lasted an hour and I played it through really quick. But then you end up fighting. But this, the the menu is different. You do have slow mo time. I think it's the villain from the first game. Paxton Fentil is talking to you in a cell. But I thought you killed him in the first game. Yeah, no, it's his it's it, it's his turn to be a psychic immortal ghost now. OK, so that's what it is. So he's talking to you. <laughs> he's summoning you to his wherever he's at. Like the end of it is you end up getting to his cell and releasing him. I think it was him. Let's just point. I don't really fucking know what was going. It wasn't. I was just. I mean, there were notes. I didn't read them. I just played through it. And it's short. It's a little different. The the HUD looks different because you're somebody else. You you do a big part where you're in a mech for a whole bunch. And it was. It, it's just. It's very quick. I wouldn't recommend buying it. Like I'm sure it came out for like ten dollars back in the day. It's not worth ten dollars. It was worth the price of free when it came with my Fear Two copy that I bought on Steam. <laughs> that was worth it. But I know people liked it. But it's just a quick, like, you can beat it in, like, an hour. And there wasn't, a, I mean, you fought the same enemies. You had, a, you had a turret section, of course. And then eventually you get, the game ends up leading up to where you get to his cell. And then you release it. I think, I think it's Pax Infectile. I'm trying to look right now. Because I know you go into a cell and then, yep, it's Pax Infectile. Yeah. You find his cell. But I thought he was dead. So I don't know. Yeah. And then that's the end. That's everything for Fear 2. <sighs> and then I for, Fear 3 is a completely different studio. Again. I heard it's a co-op game yes i really want to play it by the way next year no (laughs) (laughs) i just want to finish the series at this point like there's just you know the three games and that's really it and then it's over and i'm like all right that's fine because i'm not playing the 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 expansion stuff extraction point and percy amanda didn't seem necessary extraction point was pretty good that that's the one that you that you can play (laughs) it was 
like yeah, I, I played that when I was younger, and it was fine. I guess if you really liked uh, the last two, like the urban apartment and no, it really was mostly urban environments. I think it was kind of chasing a lot of like the gritty, like urban horror vibe that like games like Condemned had pet like trafficked in a lot during the time. Okay. Oh, but, and I I just read the ending, so now it makes sense. Or I read about it uh, when when you go there, Paxton Fatel then takes over your body and becomes mm-hmm. the clone that you were. Or takes over the clone. So that's what it was. He was reborn. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying... <laughs> I just had to get that out. But yeah, no. Because um, I think Fear... Th- like, the ending of Extraction Point is like... Point Man and the Ghost of Fettel are... Like, standing on top of a... Of, like, a building and just, like... Seeing the post-explosion devastation of Auburn. Yeah, I think literally Extraction Point... Like, kind of happens during the course of Fear 2. Okay. Which is why I think Point Man is the protagonist of Fear 3. Him and Clone Fettel. Also, Fear 3 is the shortest of the series. Of the main games, not including Traction Point or Perseus Mandate, which is... It's six hours, which shows on how long to be. Where Fear 1 was eight, this was seven, and Fear 3 is six hours. <laughs> well, that's probably a blessing, because I, um, I, I don't think I've ever heard a single Fear 3 Defender... <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot. And that came out, and we'll probably do it next year, just because I, I kind of want to wrap up the series. But to go to what somebody, I think it was Ron, had said, Gears of War came out 06, Gears of War 2 is 08, Gears of War 3 is 2011, Fear 1 was 2005, Fear 2 is 2009, and Fear 3 is 2011. So, and it, it took them almost the same amount of time to get all, all three gears, but those are much more highly received. Yeah, and still hold up. <laughs> yeah. I haven't played Gears 1 it's been a few years, but I remember really that it's still a good game. But no, so I'm positive that, like, what was going on with Gears was, like, in, you know, enhancing the effect of, of this game. Like, you know, the whole cover stuff. Like, because I know in Fear 3, from what I was reading online or in the video I was watching, that there's a hard mode in Fear 3 also. Hmm, where they got that idea from? <laughs> so, you know, only four years later after Gears 2. I think I think Gears 2 was the first hard mode. Yeah, that's, that, that's like, why we colloquially call them hard modes, because that's what it was in Gears 2. Okay, any last things you guys want to say before we go on to questions, comments, or memories? I guess I would just sum up that my overall take on this game is it's pretty good. I think it's, uh, in a lot of regards, a little better than it was probably understood as when it came out, but uh, they, yeah, they make some creative choices that definitely don't uh, set up the sequel for a whole <laughs> lot of success. Yeah. All right, and first from the I watched the entire Oblivion replay group, the way I met you guys, uh, from Lila Navare. I don't remember anything about the game, but I do know I was playing it the night my grandfather died. That's all I can really say. It was a long time ago. It's, I, the reason I wanted to read that is just because, like, games stick with you. You know, and that's kind of a, a case where this game had no, like, meaning to a person because this game it can be forgettable. It is forgettable. But because of an event, like, you you always remember Fear too. So I just... I mean, games yeah. do that. I mean, I can remember certain weird, dumb, like, I can remember shit that happened to me, like, what I was doing, like, when my father-in-law died, that day I was playing Resident Evil Outbreak, the next day, around that time. I had to for the show, and I remember just being very uncomfortable with playing that game. It's just what games do. A game I will never remember otherwise, because it's not great. <laughs> From Wesley Nicewanner, Fear 2 is such a great game, the first as well. I used to play them with my dad as a kid. By far, I think the best is the third one. The first two build up the third so well and having it all come together and the ability to play as both brothers in the third game made it so much fun. 
Altogether, they are amazing games that deserve an HD remaster on newer consoles to allow a newer generation to just see how great the games were, both story-wise and gameplay-wise. You know, why isn't this remastered and put just in a collection? <laughs> Warner Brothers owns it. <laughs> that might yeah. be it. Yeah. Warner Someone Brothers doesn't want to give us products to buy. They just want to us to pay for product they already made and keep paying, and, and they take away less product. That's all. So Max I mean, is doing. And obviously, they're minting eternal money with their handling of Lord of the Rings and the wizard property. They're trying. <laughs> oh, they're trying hard. But. <sighs> and their Aquaman money when that movie finally comes out. From Jerry Floyd. This was an amazing sequel to a game that I still have never finished. I played through this one multiple times and had an amazing time. <laughs> well, here's another one to kind of go with my point from Jason Beck. I played this but can't remember much, but I know I had fun. <laughs> See? I mean, it's forgettable. From Nick Rise, favorite game in the series. The stuff in the school, specifically the theater room shootout, is awesome. From Sean Powers, I miss Fear. Yeah, I can, I can get that. From Jordan Velez, I love this trilogy. Fear 1 is an all-time classic. And Fear 2 upped the ante when it came to the action. Not as spooky as one, but definitely had a share of crazy moments. And the ending still makes me so uncomfortable. Never seen something like that in a video game before. And I honestly don't know how they got away with that. Fear 3 was also fun, but felt kind of rushed along with great ideas, but felt too short. And from Mart C, definitely not as spooky as the first, but the best one in the trilogy, all the same. Certainly had a what-the-fuck ending, but that's all I really remember about it story-wise. Yeah, not a lot of people remember this game. Like, they remember it, but they don't remember it at the same time. <laughs> And I feel like I'm going to be in the same boat. Like, I feel like I'm going to, like, when we get to Fear 3 next year, like, I'm not going to remember what the hell this game was other than, like, yeah, it was fun. But, I mean, that I think that's not a problem for a game. Like, it's okay a game to be, like, if you had fun while you're playing it, you enjoyed the experience, there's nothing wrong with it being forgettable as time goes, I think. Yeah, and, like, th- there's a term that I think I first, like, saw in Game Informer or something, like, this idea of the Citizen Kane of gaming. And, like, people putting Bioshock up on that pedestal. And then, like, mm-hmm. if you revisit Bioshock today, it's not that timeless. It's so, better than Bioshock Infinite. But, so I think there's something to be said about the a game that has a quality that sort of allows the details to be effaced from your memory. Because then, you know, maybe you can go back to it and you'll be pleasantly surprised by it. Or you'll forget that you ever played it and you won't feel like it wasted your time. <laughs> That's fair. I, I, I think this game's very consumable. I, I enjoyed the nights I spent playing it and it was just fun. Same. I, I did. I enjoyed my time with it. I didn't have any real complaints. I don't remember stuff that happened in the game, but I remember having fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> oh, great. And then from the official Laser Time community, uh, from Rick Passmore, Compared to the original Fear, I remember next to nothing about the sequel except the overarching storyline getting cleaned up. I played through the original three times, the sequel once, and had a lot of fun with it as a shooter. From Greg Dorino, crazy to me that it runs at 60 frames per second. Not sure if it's a Series X thing since I never played it on 360 or X-Bone. I mean, I played it on PC and I hadn't. I, felt like I don't really pay attention to it, but it ran good. Uh, from Kevin Don, I love the Fear games. I actually required, reacquired a copy of the first one last year just to replay it. Great for fun Halloween playthroughs. Yeah, I mean, that's the other reason why it's on here, because it, it, it's a it's a horror game, but it's not a horror game where I have to be like completely freaked out about, because I don't like horror games. So <laughs> that's why the series is here right now for the show. That's how it started. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good little spook house. Yeah. It's a, it's a spooky game, but it's not like a... It's, it's not a horror game. Not amnesia. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. weird. That hasn't been on the show yet. I wonder why. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to play it. So, 
I'm going to because people are recommending I put it on the show, but I do not want to. Uh, from Dave Heen, for me, nothing beats the first game. I did have a lot of fun with this one. I should probably play it again to get the story, but I like how good it felt just moving and shooting around the world. You don't need a story. <laughs> and from <laughs> Stephen Martin, Monolith Productions had a phenomenal run of first-person shooter games from the blood all the way from blood all the way to Fear Two. Then they started making Lord of the Rings games. <laughs> I have. Have you either of you guys ever played Blood? I've I have heard. I've heard of blood spoken about pretty positively, but no, that was that it's was a like a, okay. That's why you, yeah, it, yeah. It's a it's a it's a DOS. Originally, the first one is DOS. It's this MS DOS and Windows. Okay, it's on Steam, by the way. I actually have both of them. I'm pretty sure I just got them in random bundles before. That makes sense because they're they're one of the games that just fin- I buy a lot of fanatical bundles. So they end up on there. Okay, I don't have both, but I have the first one, Blood Fresh Supply, it's called. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the same game. I can't really tell, but it's a first person it's a it's a first person shooter doom style looking game. Okay. I've certainly heard of it. So Yeah, but I think I think it I th- yeah, it must have been a bundle. I know there's a second one too, which I don't think I have, but I don't I can't I'm not that interested in finding out right now. So yeah. Okay, and then they okay, so yeah, they made a few. Yeah, he's right. I'm looking at some the stuff they made. Another game that doesn't exist: the operative No One Lives Forever PS2 game. I think that game has a licensing issue or something. If I remember correctly. Yeah, I seem to. Was it was it going to be a James Bond game or was it just like a James Bond pastiche? It's a James Bond like ripoff. Yeah, I guess. I just remember people talking about it before. I've heard I've heard people mention. I've never played it. I didn't really think much about. But now I'm thinking more about this company. So yeah, to be honest, I'd like forgotten that they did Shadow of Mordor. Me too. Which, <laughs> I mean, I guess their AI bona fides still hold up. Yeah, they brought I us mean, the Nemesis system. Because after they did Fe- Fear Two, they did Go- uh, Gotham City Imposters, Guardians of Middle Earth, which was a MOBA, probably doesn't exist anymore. And then they did Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, and Shadow of War. And now they're working on a Wonder Woman game. Wow, yeah. that's. That's kind of sad, honestly. They 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 have like an obvious like genre expertise, and they're just getting farmed out to franchise support. Mm-hmm. I mean, they also did uh, Condemn and Condemn Two, which are both good games. Oh, they did wow. So yeah, I'm just they also did Alien vs Predator Two for PC, which I've never played. So, yeah, they were. I mean, that was their thing. First person shooters. Okay, I mean, yeah, just I mean, they're they make other stuff. I mean, they're not bad, but. At least they're still they're around. Underutilized. Yeah. yeah. I honestly thought that they shuddered at some point and I just never heard about it. <laughs> Same. I was surprised to find out they were still around because <laughs> studios don't last long in this world, unfortunately, anymore. Oh, hey, they, they did the they did the smart thing. They didn't get bought by EA yet. That's how you stay alive. <laughs> you don't get bought by EA. <laughs> All right. And then from the last group I'm going to read from, I just have a couple from Giant Bomb from Benjamin Lucky. It was OK. I think the first one and his DLC was better. I've never touched a DLC for two, but that's next on my list. Overall, though, I think it lost a lot of the claustrophobic nature of the first one for worse, but made combat encounters more varied with the more open areas and new enemy variety. It was probably an hour too long, too. Okay. Uh, from Matt Stinson, that game certainly had an interesting ending. <laughs> <laughs> and I, when I first read that, I was like, huh, you're not wrong. Then I beat the game. Not wrong. From Randy Kluever, I feel like I'm one of the few people who liked this game even more than the first. Never thought either of them were scary at all, but they had great atmosphere, and I think that's where the second one especially excels. Gameplay was a bit smoother as well. Kind of the same, the series just totally fell off of the third because it had fairly interesting lore. The ending of two is nothing if not extremely memorable. From 
Christian Villa V did something did some things better and worse than the first fear. Overall, I liked it, but wouldn't replay it again. And from Brian Brown, I will never forget walking down the hallway in the school and having all the lockers start opening and closing really fast. From Evan Boswell, I always loved the shooting in that game. Others have no doubt done it better, but something about it just clicked with me. Right? And from Stephen Kess, it's one of my favorite games for that generation. That's high praise. So people still love this game. And from Chris Lichos, the gameplay in Fear is so good. I spent a ton of time in the multiplayer. Two didn't play quite as well, but had a really cool campaign. And three was dumb, but a whole lot of fun with pretty tactical combat on the higher difficulties. All right. See, people are mostly positive about this game. But the last thing I kind of want to mention before we go to Shelf Stacker Box that I was thinking of, like, I didn't realize these were never released again on consoles because it's on PC and I can just buy it on PC. I didn't even think about the fact that, like, these should just be thrown like a pack. If they, I mean, if they could, you know, put them in a pack for like 20, $20 $30 and just release them out there again. They'd even run on Switch. <laughs> you know, so like it just makes me, it makes me sad when games are not. I mean, I like I, I know the cost thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not one of those idiots like, oh, it's just free. Like, no, I know. But like putting games back out there, I feel like is a good way to like one, give people the option to buy it. And two, people will buy collections of games. You will make your money. I feel. I know I done bought enough collection of games over time that I already own. So, you know, yeah. And like fear is a particularly sad case because like the first one was like this kind of like not exactly watershed, but a very mechanically progressive game that I think ends up predicting a lot of like the sandboxier nature of a lot of contemporary console games. But then like, Warner Brothers gets a hold of it, and you can just see, like, in a lot of the nature of how the third game is constructed, and the fact that it did get, like, this, I, this, that I'm, as I'm finding out today, an online only game that ended up going <laughs> fucking nowhere, that, mm-hmm. that the franchise was just getting abused by corporate mandate. And that's always sad to see, especially from a developer like, monolith who yeah they had like they have a history of interesting and engaging games but yeah now they're working franchise support and like it's just sad and the other the other studio that makes fear three day one they don't even exist anymore they changed their name i think they're still they're still around but they're completely they have a different name now and they just all all that shows up on here is they worked on fear three to be announced, Reign of Thunder, and they've just been working on World of Tanks since 2014. Mm. And that's it. But at least they're still in Is World of Tanks still... People still play that? Like, that's still around? My understanding, they still play it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, do, do, not, do not underestimate the capacity for tank weirdos to just attach themselves to whatever tank weirdo fuel they can get their hands on. <laughs> I'm just surprised it still exists. I remember my one of my a friend of mine telling me, hey, her son was playing it when he was like t- six or so. He he liked playing an Xbox 360 or something. Or, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> so I'm just like, I didn't realize it was still around. I'm like, people's <laughs> like, wow, it's still here. I mean, and on YouTube, I found a video of somebody just posted nine hours ago at the time of this recording. So it's still being played in September 24th of 2023. <laughs> And hey, War Thunder, still leaking state secrets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I before we get, before we go to Shelf Stacker Box, I want to give out a Steam code because I have codes I need to get off my phone. So you guys will get the code today for Soul B Light. 
for this is a Steam code. I have no idea what Soul B Light is. So here you go. The code is zero Q X Y seven P I L four B N J V O or zero R. That is your code for Soul B Light on Steam. Whatever the hell that is. You're welcome. <laughs> I just know I own it and I got a code for it in a bundle and I like, well, I'll just give it away in the show. That's what I do. All right. And then we'll go to shelf stacker box and I'll go first. I'm going to put this game in the stack. I enjoyed it. I had fun, but I don't know. I mean, I probably wouldn't play it again, but it wasn't, it wasn't a bad time at all. It was a fun game. Yeah. What's going on in the stack? Uh, what about you, Ron? Uh, stacking is keeping it and shelfing is keeping it on the shelf. A shelf something you really like, stack means something you enjoyed but not as much, and box means something you dislike. Okay, so yeah, I'm just going to keep it on the shelf. I like it, but I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't know when I'll play it again, but I do want to keep it and okay. play it sometime in the future. And, for, you know, and just to clarify, for some reason my brain was stupid. It wasn't soul blight, it's soul blight. I don't know why my brain could not read it that way. So, yes. <laughs> and Jake, what about you? Hmm. Like, I will say, I have been like much more guarded in how I talk about the ending of this game today than I was last night when I was talking to some no, friends about sense. it. Well, it's sexual assault, and that, that's not always... It's hard to talk about in a public forum when you are recorded. I get, I've done it many times at this point, so I, I completely get it. Yeah, and I think they... I can see... I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they were going for something positive. They kind of fumbled it pretty hard, so... I'm not as hot on the game overall as I had been in, like, the seven or whatever hours I played leading up to that last little bit. But overall, I'd probably shelve it because, yeah, I if I, like, just put that out of my mind and know to just stop playing before then, that because, like, I actually really liked the tram set piece. I thought it was pretty fun. So, hey, that's that's a good high note to end on. (laughs) Okay. I mean, plus, I mean, to be fair, I didn't even realize that was what was happening when I first when I beat this a couple days ago. It didn't click. Yeah, no. It, like, I just I just thought she psychically got pregnant because of like she touches her belly. I'm like, oh, okay, and I didn't really think much about it. I didn't realize that yeah, what was actually happening. Yeah, no. Like, I I, I knew the uh, the pregnancy thing was coming, and then like when I saw the way that like she climbs on Beckett, I'm like, wait, no. Mm-hmm. they're not and then like it does the cutbacks and i'm like that look mm, what was that mm, oh 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 <laughs> oh 2009 i mean it's the only reason why i bring up years is that years really affect the way that things were portrayed and how people thought about it that's why i bring up years for people like people wonder why i always say that because it it helps to know the context of what was happening if it was actually meant to be negative or positive or what they were going for yeah like i'm sure that this game has like better like politics around sexual assault than say any given episode of south park that released that year (laughs) (laughs) yes that's fair (laughs) Uh, that's completely fair south park doesn't seem like it would be friendly to anything ever all right and i should mention what we're gonna be talking about next week next week is actually another monolith game i'm talking about the first condemned you can hear on the show next week. All right. So I already beat it. It holds up, by the way. It holds up. I didn't realize that came out after they did Fear 1, but before they did Fear 2. But, so yeah, you can hear me talking about Condemned. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, you can find over 500 other episodes of Games My Mom Found all on our YouTube, on our Podbean and YouTube. Everything's on YouTube, too, but you can, but all you only, but go on Podbean, go on Podbean. You can search in there and see what different episodes we've done. We've done, we do start, we do comic movies, TV shows, all sorts of stuff, whatever I can, top tens, whatever convince people or convince people convince me to talk about. So definitely go through our giant catalog. We've done tons of content. We did the first fear. Definitely go check that out also. And if you want to support the show, we do a Patreon for Little Dog. You can vote our Patreon poll. Every every month we do we have a different poll. The current poll is horror movies Mike has never seen. So definitely go check that out. I think you have the time you're no, actually the time you're hearing this, it's a new month and I didn't plan the next month. So there's a new poll. Go check it out. I don't know what it will be. <laughs> and uh, we do have a Discord. If you want to chat with us, please join our Discord. You see the link in the show notes. I always love new people coming in there and chatting with us, a different topic. And you can help in there. You can also suggest stuff to be on the show too, because I have a lot of I have a whole thing for that, and a lot of people suggest things. So definitely go do that. And I want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Hasbury. She's TikTok famous, so go follow her on there. And you in the show notes, you will see a link to all her stuff in a link tree. So definitely go follow that. And also give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, Turret's Home Podcast, Gamer Looks at 40. Definitely go check him out. You see a link in the show notes to his show too. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, Twitter blue sky and on youtube audio only but we are on all those places you can find us and we will see you guys next time bye everybody